welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the episode. This is Rick Roberts, and today we're going to have a fun flashback encore presentation of episode two of the School of Laughs. 12 comedy tips you can't afford to ignore. And if you don't, uh, if you've never gone back and listened to the early episodes or you haven't dug that deep or your player doesn't play them, you can always, by the fact, go to schooloflast.com and check out podcasts and search any topic and get all the way back to the first. But if you haven't gone back that far, or even if you did from the beginning, uh, this is worth revisiting. It's uh, 12 questions posed to me uh, from people that were taking a comedy class at the time. Gavin Miller, uh, is on the mic as well. You recognize his voice if you've been with us from the very beginning. And we tackle things like, what questions should you ask yourself behind every joke you write? How can you float your jokes out there to see if they're funny when you're not even on stage? How can you use other characters to set up or deliver punchlines in your material? Shortcuts to finding your voice. Why putting yourself in a joke can open up more opportunities. Picking material to perform in a competition. Six keys to making your material connect with an audience. Show me the money. What are the average paychecks for club comics? Offstage moves that help you get behind the mic. The dangers of overstepping boundaries of bookers. Two kinds of club headliners. And why you shouldn't let other people's goals define your success. To me, that sounds like 12 different podcast episodes. But we're going to put them all on this one right now. And I would like to thank our Patreon sponsor for this episode all the way down in Australia, it's Josh Liston. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast through a one-time or recurring donation, you can do that at schoolofglass.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, Josh. Let's kick it off and do this retro flashback encore presentation of episode two. Well, one thing before you're starting, you know, if you're thinking about comedy... How do you do a self-check and know whether you're funny or not? Take, okay, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You you definitely already think you are if you're even considering it. Sure. Like, if you're dry as a bone and you've never got like this probably wouldn't even appeal to you in the first place. Right. It's, it's the craziest thing to possibly go do, attempt, make a living at anything. So I think, you honestly, you just have to ask yourself, do other people think I'm funny? Because everybody thinks they're the funniest person around. Right. We, just, we, we don't know why other people don't get it, but we think we're the funniest person. Right. And there's and and I guess with that comes, uh, you know, you're, you're the person at uh, a party or with your friends, and you're making them laugh, and you're like, wow, you know, maybe I'm I'm funny here. Right. You know, could I do this? What's the? There's a difference though. There's a difference in stand up and stand up writing and and comedy writing that's different than being funny at a party or funny at with your friends right yeah i think people naturally find out first if they are more inclined to perform than they are to write okay so when you're at the party or you're at work and you're busting people up and and you're the person they kind of gravitate around they look forward to seeing more people come to you than walk away from you right then you've got that second level of comedy the performing thing kind of a little more natural right okay but you may not know how to write those off off-the-cuff comments down in, in a comedy form for people who don't know you. Right. So that's where you'll have to kind of dial it in, uh, figure out how to write jokes a little bit better, 
and be consistent around strangers. I mean, it's all comedy is, is being funny around people who don't know you. Right. Uh, being likable is being funny around people who do do already know you. Sure. So, so if you're doing well at the grocery store, checkout line, that kind of thing, when you know, yes. people don't know you. <laughs> Ideally, you have the job at the checkout line where you have about 180 people, people to try jokes on all day long. Sure, sure. I mean, as they come through, you get stronger and work. I mean, that really is a great job now, for you. if you. I mean, that that's but that's comedy writing development like you're developing the material as as you go there so let's say you know you think you have some funny ideas and that kind of thing how do you develop that in into i mean you see these three or four minute sets that people do you know on letterman and stuff like that and they're they're so tight and they're so there's joke 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 and they're so good how do you develop your funny thought you know that you had at the grocery checkout line into a stand-up joke yeah, you know, something that's going to work. Yeah, it, it'll take a lot of trial and error, but a few things you can do, whatever phrase it is in your mind that, that got the laugh, right. or if you've actually said it before and it got a laugh, how? first I, I'd say, what am I trying to say? This is what I always say to myself when I write a joke. What am I trying to say? In one sentence, what is this joke trying to con- convey to people who don't know me about whatever topic I'm talking about? Okay, and that's not that's not necessarily a funny sentence. Doesn't that's have to just be the idea of behind it. Right. You have to know clearly what you're trying to say so that you can write the joke to help that thought come out. Okay. All right. So, um, trying to give you just an example. So, uh, okay, like, I'll give you an example. Okay. All right. So a few years ago. Uh, gas got really high sure. after years of being fairly okay. Boom. Everybody's talking about gas prices. Comics have different jokes about gas. I'm trying to think of how can I approach this from a different angle. Right. Well, when gas prices were low, Bill Clinton was the president. I mean, when, when he was there, you could still get it under a dollar. Sure. Right? So my mind went, okay, that's the way it used to be. Now it's high. Apparently, to get gas prices low, the president has to make a few mistakes, and he wants to make us happy by dropping the gas down. Sure. So, okay, so that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say if we have a bad president who is about ready to be impeached, our gas prices will be okay. Right. Which so is I just kinda, the reality part of the idea. Yeah, it's just, just the reality, just the logic. You know, it's the twisted logic slightly of what, right. how a comedian would make it make sense. So now I'm, I have to figure out how do I get that point across to strangers? I'm going to step on stage. I can't just say the president messed up, gas prices are low. I have to invert crickets, that. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and address the gas. And then have the president, the old president, President Clinton, being the solution to the problem. Right. So I slowly got it formed as, man, gas prices are so high, I kind of miss Bill Clinton. Okay, so now I've got an interesting statement. The crowd, half of them liked Bill Clinton, half of them didn't probably. Right, sure. So it's an interesting, it's an engaging comment. Whenever he messed up, gas prices got down to 89 cents a gallon on the weekend. Right. And then that's where the laugh would be. And then I could tag it, write some extra punchlines based on that statement and that punchline sure 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 but i couldn't just come out and say this president we got is so good gas prices are high it wouldn't make sense i have i have to give them the logic for the joke okay so that one took a couple of weeks of twisting around but i asked myself what am i trying to say now how do i say it sure and, and uh, you know i guess you know when you're th- when you're having those thoughts like how, how do you know because a lot of the first timers and the beginners, they're by themselves when they're trying to come up with these thoughts, you know, or these these comedic ideas. How do you how do you know whether something's going to be funny? And I know that's a weird question because you sometimes can't know maybe until you're in front of an audience, right? But but how, what are you looking for in that material? You're looking for like the twist at the end, or the you know the sort of uh, like, what are some of those tools? You know, I, I mean, I know I think we've talked about you know juxtaposition in the class and some things mm-hmm. like that. 
Um, yeah, misdirection is really the key to all of it. You have you really have to say something they're not expecting to hear. Okay. In a way that makes sense, and they wish they would have thought of it. Right. To me, all great jokes fall into that exact statement. I hear it, I'm like, oh, that is so good. It makes total sense. Why couldn't I have figured that out? Right. That's when I know a comedian, at least for me, is, a, is somebody that I admire. Sure. And I, I respect their material. So so how do you know those things are funny when you don't have an audience or you haven't got on stage or you're afraid to go on open mic? Sure. You got to float it out there. <laughs> you float it out to the guy at the gas station. You float it out to somebody at work. You, you know, as you're ordering food at Burger King. Well, I don't care where it is. You got to get some kind of feedback on it. Yeah. You know, usually you have a buddy you can bounce stuff off of. Sometimes the the friends, though, not the best people because they either are too harsh on you. Or they like you too much. Yeah, yeah, or they like you too much. But I would start there and just kind of float it. Now, the the great thing about today, you could put that thought into a tweet or a post and, you know, you could kind of rationalize how many responses you think a a good statement would get. I mean, you could look at any statement you made on Facebook. Right. Uh, take out baby pictures or announcements of a new child because yeah. those get a, every friend will like that. Sure. But anything you've put off a cuff that you thought was kind of funny and say, okay, there's my benchmark. 36 people like that or whatever yeah. out of 50 friends. Or, and you just unfriend the rest. Yeah. You start <laughs> just, unfriending people that don't like you. Yeah. And then pretty soon you've got Done. just You've got yourself. a good audience. That's what yeah. you've got. <laughs> you've got you and your other Facebook profile that likes yeah. your jokes. But yeah. no, you can float it out there and some people will actually like it and then they'll write a comment and if they're not a comedian and you're aspiring to be a comedian, that comment they write could be a tag for your joke. Sure. And, sure. you know, if you'd like it enough, you might ask them, hey, I'm going to use this in my show. Can I use right. that, right? Now, that, I wouldn't do that all the time. But early on, a tweet is a great way to write it because you have to condense the thought into down. 140 characters. Yeah. A Facebook post a little bit longer. But either of those, if people read the whole thing, it's probably short enough. Yeah. So I mean, when I sit down, I feel like a poser because sometimes when I sit down to Facebook or something, I feel like I'm about to write the next great American novel. Like this thought has to be so perfect, right? You know, to see if I can get a response and you know all that. Sometimes it works, you know. But um, it's it 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 is good practice and just editing as someone's going to read it, you know, the timing, the, yeah, those kind of things. When you type it out, it's going to look different yeah. than it sounds in your head. And, and sounds in their head. They've yeah. got to read it. That's, and, that's a big uh, part of communication. For me, that's a big part, too, is just getting it so I can visual. I can't really edit in my mind as much as I can visually. Right. I see all the words. I see there's too many words. So is that how you do? You, you would just, you have to type everything out and be able to Sometimes, see every word kind of thing? That's, yeah, there's no... For me, there's no one thing that I do every single time. There's a handful of things that come in cycles. Okay. I mean, sometimes I'll... Honestly, for me, if I'm driving to a gig and it's a few hours away... Right. I love that time. I used to hate it, <laughs> you know, but now it's the only time I have Listening having a family and stuff. driving <laughs> right. five miles an hour to <laughs> yeah. Arkansas somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but now you can actually get deep into a thought. Right. You can say it out loud. You can kind of record it on your iPhone or whatever and come back to it later, but... Nobody can interrupt me unless I want them to for that three hours. I can sure. turn my phone off and be a comedian and be a writer. And and, sat, and then later on, I might type it up to a post or whatever sure. or bounce it off a buddy of mine. What I tend to do is I, I'll get an idea, and maybe it's just a one-liner, and sure. I'll wait till I have two or three lines that come around that same kind of topic, and then I'll build a joke out of that. So you can do that. Okay. I'm less likely to come out on stage and throw out a one-liner that doesn't even have a tag or anything. It's just one sentence that gets a laugh, and then right. have to jump into a brand new topic. Yeah. Now, have you had things that, like, I mean, maybe an example or something that you've had to work on, like, you know, there's there's some bit or something that that you'd thought would work but wasn't funny yet, you know, that you're just working on for 
all the time, all, <laughs> all the time. But I'll give you an example recently that I, I, I intuitively should have known what to do earlier. Sure. But my emphasis was on the wrong place in the situation. Right. All right. So I'm a dad. I got two kids. Uh, my first was his son. And when he was a baby, all these, I would hear two things. He's so cute. Or they'd say, he looks just like you. Right. So I was trying to write a joke where like, I must be great looking because everybody sure. looks at my baby says, he's cute and I look just like him. Sure. That's not, it was never funny to, I couldn't find a way to make that funny. Right. The way I found to make it funny is to have him realize that he looks like me. Gotcha. And I ask him what he thinks about that. And he goes, oh, what are you going to do? Yeah. So it was making fun. It was self-deprecating joke. It made fun of me. Uh, I got to use his voice. So it was a different character on stage. Right. He was the setup guy. He was the straight man. And I was the funny. Like okay. he set me up. Right. All these great things happen, but it, it didn't happen when I was like, oh, I must be a cute looking guy because I think my kid looks just like sure, me. He's sure, cute. sure. So it, I, it was logic transfer, but I flipped it around to make myself the butt of the joke instead of the better part of the joke. And that, and that comes into, you know, the, the, the technique of writing. The, the, there's so many, you know, little devices and little techniques that, that, you know, you don't figure out till later sometimes or you stumble on, onto them. It, you know, I, I was, kind of as i'm writing and stuff and i'm just starting so it's been very little but it, it seems to be in in exaggeration you know that that kind of thing you know something happens to me and then here's my big thought on it you know right and so but i'm struggling to use to use other tools in that is there a good way to like practice that or like what's the best way to practice some tools you've never used before you know yeah it's tricky i mean one thing at least you know now is that you're using the same device a lot. A lot, okay. And so that if you notice it, the crowd will probably either notice it or catch on to it or right. not be surprised by the fifth joke that has sure. the same kind of approach. Right. So that's that's a good step. As a beginning comic, you, you've already felt that pace, and you're like, I've got to change things up a little bit. Sure. Um, so you you kind of move the focus of the jokes around a little bit. I mean, okay. right now you're in the exaggeration. I'm going to say something so outlandish, they'll have to... They'll have to laugh. And that's pretty normal for most beginning comics. Subtlety takes a while to be confident to deliver. Right. You know, so that, that might be the next place you go with it. Okay. I'm hitting the, over the head super hard with big visual things. Every and, time. And, and they're crazy. wearing them out, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to dial it back on a couple of jokes. Okay. And so just whatever your topics are that you're thinking about, find a, a, a slightly less obvious or slightly less over the top angle on it. Uh, pull back. I mean, there's a, a few different things you can always do is, is put yourself in the joke. Okay. Uh, make yourself unaware that's going on around you. And so you're, you're lost in a situation everybody else can deal with and you can't. Right. Um, think of all the, what I try to do is think of all the great situational comedy techniques they use in all these, the legendary sitcoms. You know, one, a huge one would be like, uh, they used to use, I think, all the time, if I'm getting you right, it was like the birth of a baby. Like the dad's always in there. He has no idea what's going on. Clueless he's, dad. He's the clueless. Fish out of water. Yeah. yeah. And and the doctor, the wife. So everybody seems to know exactly what's going on except for this guy. Right. So that that would be you could place yourself as that person, and then from that point of view, my wife knew what was going on. The doctor knew what was going on. I don't know if they had talked beforehand. Like right. you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and by moving yourself around, it. it you're consistent because you're who you are on stage, but you're keeping the audience guessing at what the punchline and where it's coming from. Right. All right. It's still coming from you, but it's coming from a different part of you. We're very complex people. Sure. Uh, any emotion you have, which is how many? There's dozens, right? Yeah. Different levels of each emotion. So sure. 
coming into each joke, the setup, how you feel about it, how you deliver it, pushes it in a different place. How so, you react to people. And I think that's that that goes to the next thing because as I mean, I'm 35. I don't have that much more time left on this planet. Um, <laughs> more than I do. But, <laughs> um, but my uh, my my thought is, I need to create a sort of uh, like a point of view that's just mine. And so as I'm writing these things and I'm trying to put myself in those in that position, like how how do you how do you get how do you find out who you are? Like you know, I have jokes that are about like you know airplane food. I don't want to do those, right? Because that's not me. But but I find it funny. But but then I'm like, but I don't really. That doesn't work in my set, or doesn't work as as me. Like how do you, how help me find me? Yeah, it takes you know? it takes a while. And we talked earlier uh, during the class about seven years of of getting on stage five to ten yeah. times a week is kind of a, a magic number. It's a frightening number. Sure. But I mean, there's a few things you can do early on to kind of try to find that quickly. One is ask your friends or people who know you really well. You know, what do you guys say I'm like when I'm not around here? Like right. when I leave the room, what do you, that, that's that, man, Gavin's a dark dude. Right. You know, or Gavin's a, man, he doesn't know what's going on. He's clear. They might. know. They'll never tell you unless you ask. Yeah. They, I asked. I did ask. <laughs> what um, they say? And my, uh, <laughs> my sister and my father, who both know me very well, obviously, they, they told me, they said, well, when you get really ramped up, like when you start ranting about some subject or something that's, that's gone wrong or, or something, that's when we all start laughing. And then that gives you even more juice and you just skyrocket, you know? And I was like, Oh, well, that is that me? And then how do I, then how do I write for that? You okay. Know, well, that's, was, that's good information. So I would, I would go back and ask them, why do you think it's funny that I would rant? Right. And find that juxtaposition that sets you off on that tangent. I mean, everybody can be mad about something and rant, but. They find it funny from you for a certain reason. For a certain reason. So okay. I would go back and ask him, and why wouldn't that. I? Or, yeah. you know, why do you think that's strange for me to do that? Yeah. And that might get you closer to your, to answer to your question. The, okay. And it's, who, I mean, it's, who am I? <laughs> yeah. And family's going to be a little more gentle, probably. It sounds like, I don't know. Sisters can be pretty brutal, I guess, but they are awful. I, I just suggest against them. Just give them away. If you have daughters, just, I don't know, sell them to foreign countries or something. Um, but, you know, that export imports out of balance anyway. We're bringing them all in. We're not sending enough American kids yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I know absolutely. about a dozen I could get off the street right now. Done right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what, you know, I guess. You know, you hear sort of hack jokes about, you know, airplane comedy, that kind of thing. What, what's what's the are there dead topics to write? Like as you're starting to write things and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got the funniest joke about my right. experience on the airplane. You know, it, are there topics like that to kind of stay away from as you're starting to write? You know, well, ideally, ideally, you would write about stuff that nobody's talked about. But when you do that you're not going to have a connection with the majority of the crowd because right. it's stuff that nobody's talking about. Sure, sure. So it is you experiencing the airplane ride differently than anybody else. Right. George Carlin did a huge airplane bit. Dennis Miller. Almost every comic who's ridden on an airplane will notice different things. Right. So you have to ask yourself, what's my spin on it? Has that spin been done? If it hasn't, then it's up for grabs. So, now, here's here's the tricky part. When you start going out and you're doing – a nights where you're trying to get work or you're trying to get into a festival or a TV thing where there's a bunch of different comics. Sure. 
those aren't the jokes you're going to want to do in that situation. Right. Because chances are three or four other comics they just left them in their set. Yeah. And so here's the fourth guy, and you're in the green room. You don't even hear the other comic set, and you come out and you do your airplane joke or something. Right. And, and somebody three minutes oh, ago. Oh, really? Did. You don't like the airplane food, too? Right. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So you have to realize that. They don't even give air food on airplanes anymore. They give you peanuts. And, yeah, six of them. Yeah. If you count. So what material do I have that's the most unique? For that particular situation, for when you're with a bunch of comics, right. you're doing the top of their stuff. What's my most unique comedy there is very important. Okay. And your most common topics, you want to put those to the side. All those comics are going to have some common topics. Right. I mean, like I said, all the big names, you just have to find your spin. Now, I will say this. Where do you find topics that nobody's talking about? I think. And here's, what's, what's here's, here's, here's where I'm, I'm like, waiting here's for where the my secret. next 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it's all science and technology applied to science and, and the stuff, the 3D printers that they're coming out with now, right. stuff like that is mind blowing. And nobody before they invented these things had any jokes about it. Right. So at least you have a chance for a while to be one of the first or early comics, being an, be an early adopter of topics as much as people adopt technology early. right and you have some leeway and you get a head start yeah and if you're always b- listening and, and reading the different articles and magazines and watching the stuff on the internet about this new technology you're always gonna be a little bit ahead of somebody else. sure sure because sure. all that new stuff can be applied to old situations right drones right yeah just think back i mean i'm 45 uh, if there were drones and motion sensor video cameras in the high school halls when i was in high school yeah i wouldn't be here right now You'd i'd still be, be locked up somewhere right <laughs> so that would be my spin that would be an angle i could write five or sure. ten jokes about and just sure. think about different situations that i got away with and how that technology yeah. would change had they seen what i was doing behind portable b right your entire, i would not be here that's right your entire life is is worth talking about sure so that's the other thing, too. Write about your own experiences more than common experiences of other people. Right. More unique things that have happened to you. The personal, using the personal aspect to connect with other people, even if they haven't necessarily have had that exact experience. They may have never had the experience, but they've had the emotion that you had during that experience. Okay. Okay. So maybe connect focus on the emotion yeah. and, and the connectability of, of the, I don't know if connectability is a word. I just I'll play it in Scrabble, but see but, what uh, but but using that as a focus for for the material. Yeah, you have to have connect. some kind of connection with the crowd. As okay. crazy as you want to get or whatever, there has to be some kind of connection with them. So, would that be one of the paramount things? Is is to sort of be funny and connect? I think here's the here's the if you could twist this Rubik's cube, give it and yeah. give you all six sides. You keep track of the size, but authentic, fresh, unique. Taking the joke deeper than a comic would settle for. Right. I mean, you could write a joke, write ten punchlines, and ditch the first six sure. and start with the last sure. three, and you're already in a better spot. Uh, you have relatable is not a word, but relative to the, you have to find that connection where you relate with the crowd right. on some level. Yeah. Empathy from the crowd for your situation, or you want them to cheer for your success in that situation. Those are all, you twist that around any time in any joke, it's going to work for you. Sure. If you do a joke with none of that, your chance, you still have a chance at a laugh. Right. But it just decreases yeah. five or You'd six You have to times. be so clever, and that's probably right. not If you have a joke case. with all of those, it's a home run. It's yeah. a closer. Yeah. Who, who, I mean, maybe, you know, Bill Cosby and those kind of guys connecting. That You know, that's oh, their, yeah. their bread and butter is they connect with the 
average experience. Timeless average yeah. experiences. Yeah. Of having a brother or a sister is timeless. Done. Parents, yeah. timeless. Being a parent, all the levels he's taken it to throughout his career, it's all timeless. Yeah. So that's not everybody's goal, but I mean, it's, you can see how he's so successful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess that's, you know, a good, a good transition into the, the next thing as goals is money. Yeah. Um, where, and this may sound like a strange question, so I can explain it a little. Where does the money come from in comedy? It's, I mean, people think it's from being funny. But it's really from the consumers of comedy, you know, the, the the people who are coming through the front door, the ticket sales. Is that, you know, it works a few different ways. Okay, and I'll, we'll probably get emails and saying it doesn't work that way for me because <laughs> there's so many different ways. Okay, uh, for a beginning comic, you, I mean, you won't get any money for a while. Right. Let me let me say this first. Would you buy a book? Would you pay for a full price for a book that only had one chapter written and it was kind of not quite done? Good point. All right. So when you've got your set together, your book together, when you've got a full thing to sell, sure, then people are willing to pay full price if it's a good product. Yeah. You could have a you could have ten comedy sets written. Yeah. And the, and they're they're complete, but they're not. Nobody's buying it. Right. All right. So you have to connect so they're interested in it. Eventually, you'll get to work at a comedy club, and you do that through appearing at their open mics if they have them, mm-hmm. doing showcases during the regular week right. is the next step up, typically. And then they see you could be funny in front of a paying crowd. They'll trust you with emceeing at some point at that club. And when you emcee, they might start you out and say, just 10 minutes until they see you can handle that, then they'll give you 12. And, and you ask the question, how much am I going to make? And they laugh, and then... You don't even ask. Yeah, don't ask. At the end of the week, you just kind of hang out, and eventually That's somebody's... That's a good tip. Don't ask. Don't ask. I mean, you, you, you'll ask other comics that have been there. Yeah. What'd you get? And they may or may not tell you, but most, most of them say, hey, I think they pay like, you know, 300 bucks for the MC for the week. Right, okay. So at least you know what ballpark you're in. But definitely, you want to ask your buddies that have I mean, worked is there. That, so I think that sometimes that's the numbers that no one talks about. Yeah, so I'll give you just rough. I yeah. mean, and it, each club is different based on how many nights they're open, right. how big the seating, all that stuff. But between three fifty, between probably two fifty and three seventy five, four hundred bucks. Okay. To MC a week at a club, most clubs will fall. Thank you. I'll take that job. Yeah. Right. So for the average person yeah. who's working forty hours or sure. whatever, they think, well, I can just work a few nights. That's not bad, but it's, there's a lot of time that went into getting those few nights. Yeah. Okay, so that's working one club. All right, there's 52 weeks on the calendar. I can't quit my job yet. Right. So I can work the local club, and I can maybe find a weekend room that's a couple hours drive that I can make after work on Friday. Okay. So that's typically the next step for a lot of comics. So they'll get in that weekend room. They'll MC that. A lot of times a weekend room, and by that I'm oh, saying a place yeah, that's a restaurant say, a, okay. that closes down at 6 and turns all the tables and stuff around and now they've got a comedy now they've got it right right so they maybe did lunch business in that room but now they're not so people buy dinner and they watch the comedy show or whatever so a lot of those shows it's maybe just two comics so when you host that show or you're the opener of that show you're doing 20 or 30 minutes instead of 10 or 15 right sure and the headliner the only other comic on the bill you see is doing an hour <laughs> right. plus okay so those sometimes pay better for two nights than the just comedy because you're splitting it between two or because you're splitting between two you might be You'd probably do two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Okay. And so you're doing four shows in a shorter amount of time, but you're doing longer time. So you're a little bit further down the road than just right. the club MC. Okay. But it's weird. A club MC should be a better comic than a one-nighter or a weekend room opener. Right. Okay. Sometimes 
people only work those weekend rooms and can't get into a real county club because they're not they don't have an A act for an A room. Sure. They've got a B act for a B room. And right. It's a good fit there, but they haven't But it's not they yeah. haven't thought that an intelligent paying customer base isn't gonna listen to the same stupid jokes that over a bunch of drunks at a one nighter at a pool hall would. Right. All right, right so right. so that's the next step. So you might pick up, you know, two to three hundred bucks just for those f- couple shows. Okay. You might make as much as four hundred. It just depends, you know, once sure. you how many tickets they're selling. In this early stage, you never get anything. There's no variety. What you get paid is what you get paid. Right. There's no deal where you get money depending on how many tickets are sold. Right. Which is a good thing for you because as a beginner, you've never been in this town. You're not selling tickets with no your name No responsibility. Anyway. No responsibility. You just show up and be sort of funny. Right. Be as funny as you can. So you do that for a while. Then all of a sudden, you're hopefully still writing good material at those yeah. B rooms. Still A material, but you're doing it at a B room. Hopefully. If this makes sense. Yeah. If, if it doesn't, stop me. But then when you come back, you're used to doing 30 minutes. Now you're only going to do 15 at the comedy club. Right. You're doing your best 15 out you of 30. You can tighten it up. Instead of your only 15. Yeah. Or what you think was your 15. And you're more confident on stage because, you know, you can warm up a crowd better because you had to warm up a crowd for 30 minutes at this so, other place. Now you're just doing it for Let's 15. take a step back because because sure. the, the new person listening to this, they go, okay, so I, I don't even know where – like, I don't even know. Maybe they can find a restaurant with an open mic night kind of thing, uh-huh. a weekend gig. Um, they've got their 15, 20 minutes. How do they make the next leap? Like, you made that leap into the comedy club pretty easily right there. But, like, that, how, how do you do that? Do you go, you know, call the comedy club up and go, hey, you know, do you, I'm yeah. an out of work comic. Do you need me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Here's the, here's the, so you, I can, you gotta can I sleep there too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> here's one thing you got to hear that's hard to hear, oh, but God. it's it's, it's, it's drop dead. On. <laughs> no comedy club thinks they need to see a new comedian walk through that door ever. Okay, most of them don't. Yeah, they've got a list of comics that come through twice a year if they're middle acts, once a year if they're headliners or however their system works. Uh, they're looking constantly for good MCs. Sure. And honestly, MCs that can work clean and play by the rules and just be a good setup person. Almost a better business person than a comedian sometimes. Okay. Somebody that can follow the rules and run the show. Right. That they're in desperate need of. Okay. Everywhere, all the so time. So that may, that's a good. That's how you can differentiate yourself early is being professional, not having, have, they shouldn't have to ask you to do anything a second time. Yeah. First time they say it, it's done and it'll never be done the other way again. Okay. Whatever that might be. Right. Whether it's hanging out in the green room or whatever, you know. Sure. You have to be don't make mistakes. on top of it. Yeah. Because they don't need they don't have the time to sit there and train a new person or stay on you. Occasionally you'll find a club manager or owner that, that just takes a liking to you. Right. And if you hang out long enough after the shows, they'll end up giving you a piece of advice whether they've met sure. you or not. But you they don't think they need new people. Right. They realize it at some point they do, but they, they don't. They need income from paying clients, paying right. customers. Their main, 99% of clubs, 100% of clubs, their main focus is selling the alcohol. Right. Getting two drinks and an appetizer or a sandwich out in 90 minutes and doing that again sure. a half hour after that show's done. Sure. You're up there to keep those people in their chairs and have them something to look at while they're eating and drinking. Right. If you're funny, that's on, that's great. And if they come back to see you, that's, that's what they want. Right. But they're just happy if you do your job. You don't create problems, and you're easy to work with. So, what you would come up with some sort of a kit, or would you just call the, these places up for and say, M- "Hey, I'm a great MC." Yeah, for MC, parents like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hosted this thing at the Rotary Club. Yeah. Realistically, if the club has an open mic, you sign up to go to that open mic. But I would advise 
doing open mics at all the other bars and whatever in town and getting your material good right or great that five minutes or whatever great somewhere else besides coming into the comedy club the first time they see you and you've got all your jokes down on a piece of paper and you're reading it out loud yeah first impressions last forever That's bad. yeah forever uh maybe the only time you get a chance if you if you know so try it out at whatever place and you know small open mic sure get it good as good as you can right before you even try to come to this open mic at the comedy club yeah sign up play by the rules some clubs will want you to bring four friends or eight friends that are all paying customers if you can't do that uh, you, it's gonna be hard to work at that club yeah, so a sort of personal like example of this is when i was uh i was living in dc and two or three times a week i'd take the metro down there and go watch these comics and finally they started letting me in for free and i was just watching i was just watching and watching and watching just absorbing basically everything i could eventually the club you know manager there was like hey you know come out hang back with the comedians and that kind of thing and so i started joking around with the guy and and he was like you know hey are you know you're trying to get into comedy that i was like yeah you know i'm, I'm thinking about it i'm nervous you know blah, blah blah and he said he said you know we, i mean we could always let you get on you know three or four minutes before the, you know, before the MC, you know, comes on or whatever. And it was that moment that I realized, like, I, I feel like I should say yes, but the logical part of my brain is saying, don't do that. You could be banned forever. (laughs) Like go home, do reps and come back. Don't just say no and say, thank you. (laughs) You know, which is what I did because I went home and was scared. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's, I mean, it was, that's not uncommon. Yeah. If if you hang out, if they see you, you come and support the club. I mean, while you were there, you're probably supporting them and buy a sandwich or a drink, drink or something. Yeah. Anyway, so hey, this guy always spends ten bucks in here. Or whatever. Right. And we'll wave his ticket price on okay. Tuesday night. That's exactly. It's one more warm body, and then so they got to know you a little bit, which is great. Not all clubs have managers that can even interact see in that you, manner. Yeah. But you made yourself frequent enough that they recognized you and then talked to you. Right. Then you got to hang out with the comedians. No, oh, that was great. That's pretty rare. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Not a lot of people that hang out watching the show start getting to go hang out. Don't be back. weird. That's my advice for yeah, people that want to do that. Don't be weird. Just be <laughs> right. nice. Be humble. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's not a bad way to get into it. So you, you kind of backed your way into it. And then the, the situation and I had to presented back my itself way out. Yeah. Yeah, before you were really thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But for most people, it's, it's get in there. Do those open mics. Do consistently well, and they're going to give you more time in those. And eventually, somebody's not going to show up, and they'll need an MC, and they'll know your number. Right. And that's kind of... Then they make that call. Yeah. Yeah. And then, from that point, to go to the middle act... Uh, yeah, actually, let's, let's take it back one step okay. because all that we just said goes for hanging out at your local club, right? Because you're not driving three hours to hang out at some place no. enough for them to get to yeah. know you. Okay, so let's see how we can leverage your MC abilities at this one club right. into the next before we move on to featuring. Oh, sure. Okay, so you're MCing at your local club. You get to do it. I don't know, once a month, maybe. Right. I mean, maybe once a year, just depending on what they think What's of you, how on, often yeah. they need you. But every time you work, you're working with two comics from out of town, usually. Yeah. And so in the green room, backstage, you hang out, you Stay listen. Quiet. You don't tell them what you think is funny. You listen. <laughs> you might comment on Right. I love that joke of yours or whatever. But be a good comedy buddy. Yeah. And eventually, they'll go, hey, man, have you ever worked at where they're from? You've been in Houston? Right. Well, yeah. Would you go to Houston? If I hooked you up with the week in Houston, would you come down there? Right. And they'd probably put in a word for you. Okay. Now, that word may not get you the booking, but... It, now your name is on the front of mind of the manager at the club. And if okay. you did shoot him an email, or honestly, if you were 
if you made it, well, it's different everywhere you go. If you're able to connect with the guy and, and get on his good side, you might get a, a showcase before you would get the MC week at that club. Probably. Right. Okay. You'd still want to see or maybe check out some clips online. You never just seen, because it's a more professional position almost to do the MC. It's it's a little harder because there's so much business right to do. And plus, he's got 30 local comics trying to get an MC spot there as well. Yeah. And and another thing. A lot of clubs will only book local MCs because they don't want to have to spend money on a hotel room sure. for an out-of-town beginner. Right. So you got to figure all that out yeah. a little bit. Um, but I'll say this. You never want to shoot an email to a club manager you've never met and include your link to your Just video cold and who you've worked with. Contact, and, yeah. yeah. I've done open mics. They don't, they're wondering how you get right. my email. <laughs> you need to know them before you can do anything. Okay. So at, at if you were trying to connect with the one you didn't know and you just had no connection, you haven't worked with the comic from that time, but you say you've got relatives in whatever city, and you'd love to do a show there. Sure. You, in desperation, you may send them an email, but you wouldn't send them links or anything. You'd just say, hey, I'm, I'm a comic from town. Nashville. Yeah. I'm going to be in town. I would love to, to, to do a spot. Uh, if you are willing to look at a clip online, let me know, and I'll shoot one back yeah. to you. But you would not include. I have a terminal disease. Right. Please let me do this. One of my, my make last a wish, wish. requests yeah. <laughs> is to die on There's, stage in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. So will you let me do this for four hundred dollars? Right. Yeah. But it's amazing how quickly uh, aspiring comics overstep boundaries all the time. All the time, and that's that's all it takes for you to be on their list of no forever. And oh, you'll dear. never know it. See, that's what I was always afraid of as a child, but the permanent record. Yeah, this I is didn't going want, down. Yeah, this is going down. Permanent record. record. <laughs> that's what I. That's it. Definitely didn't want. Um. Let's see. I, I guess, you know, maybe the next question is is kind of taking that next step in, in how do you – it feels like the club owners want to know that you can bring an audience, you can bring a local audience or whatever into the club to create revenue. So how do you build that audience? You know, what do you do? I mean – Right. Well, that's key. And now it's it's very easy for them to look at your YouTube clip and how many – followers you have on facebook or twitter and if it's outlandish numbers they're a little more more curious if you got six friends and they're all family right sure so but as an mc or even a feature act they're not expecting you to bring anybody in they really aren't it's a great bonus and it's a huge benefit if you do that Uh, but they're hoping the headliner brings everyone i mean that's that's what the name means okay I'm, i'm on the marquee i'm the headliner people know me they're coming to see me okay now, there's there's two kinds of headliners. There's name headliners that we all know, and there's guys that can do the job that aren't famous. Right. And they're both competent. Okay. But the name headliners will sell more tickets. Sure. And Higher they, ticket price. And or... they need the club less. The no-name headliners need the club more because the club's selling the tickets for them. Right. Gotcha. So that's that's leverage. And so okay. supply and demand with the comedy, the more unique you can be and bring in customers who wouldn't come to the comedy club anyway. Right. That's a huge benefit. Okay. But it's not expected of you in the first stages. Yeah. It's just, in fact, in the first stages, if you're emceeing and 100 people show up just to see you, they're not even going to take the response from the crowd at face value because it's all your buddies. So right. it's, it's not expected. But as you move up the chain, you can be a, a non-famous, no-name headliner at some clubs for a while. But after a few times, too, if you're not bringing some people in, they're going to move you down the list of people they want to have come through. Sure, sure. And, you know, maybe as as kind of a... A last question. Um, what what does it take? Maybe paint a picture of you know. Hopefully, this isn't too high of an income. But replacing a let's say a fifty thousand dollar regular income from a job or something, replacing that with what does that look like in the comedy world? 
in the comedy world. Does that mean you're hosting, you know, Letterman or something, you know? <laughs> in the comedy world, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'll just run through the three levels. Okay. Ballpark. And once again, everything changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But say if you're getting 300 bucks to MC at a club, mm-hmm. when you feature, they're probably going to give you six. Okay. And when you headline, they're going to give you like 12. It kind of doubles. Okay. Roughly. Sometimes it's a 12 bigger, for the what? Week? 1200 bucks for the week. A week. Okay. Okay. Now, at some clubs, you do more shows, bigger clientele. It could be a lot higher than that. But if you're a no-name headliner, they have more leverage on you. Yes. Okay. And so, if you're a no-name, any break you get, you're you're going to take. Yeah. And so, you're more likely to take the lower paying yeah. I I'm taking headliner. this a little personally with the, if you're a no-name. <laughs> well, I'm a no-name headliner. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> when, I, when I headlined at clubs, I, right. I was a no-name. In some pockets of the country, I had a little bit of a following. Okay. But I was at the time where you didn't have any social media to to keep track of all to market people. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I had an email list, and that was you know people changing jobs. It was hard sure. for me to keep track of. But there were comics in my position that did a better job of keeping track of those people. Okay, and they did build a following. Okay, all right. So that I use that term endearingly. Like, yeah. The people that I think are the funniest in the world are mostly no name headliners because they're working. They're, they're working just, and they got it down. Yeah. And every job is important. Yeah. And so they perform on top of their ability. Okay. They may not have that big break or their, their age past the limit to where they're looking for them. You know, there's a lot of okay. different things that happen. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or honestly, for me, I, I never aspired to be on a TV show. Or I know I can't act. I know I can't right. memorize lines. Um, and don't, don't get down on yourself. No, no. You know what I'm saying? Uh, lucky for this me, I figured that out earlier. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've, I've done some TV things. Yeah. But I, I never... I visited L.A. a couple times early. Yeah. And I hated the vibe of it. Sure. Uh, New York a couple times. I'm a farm kid. Right. I, I couldn't imagine having to hear honking horns and try to fall asleep. Yeah. You know? Maybe a cowbell or something sure. like that. But I, uh, of all the places that I looked at, Chicago seemed to be a good fit. Cause okay. It's Midwest, but it's city. Right. So I could see... But that's not where TV shows are made unless sure. you're Oprah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was never a goal of mine to be on TV, and I even would do auditions for some of these um, showcases, you know, comedy festivals. And I would do a set, and the guy would talk to me, like, "Man, that's a good set. What, right. what are your goals in comedy?" And I would tell him, and none of them included doing TV shows. Yeah, feed my family. Yeah, pay the car payment. Yeah, I said, "This is what I enjoy doing. I've got different things around." Right. And so they would always look at me and go, "Why'd you do the audition?" I said, "I just want to see where I stack up with other guys." Uh, yeah. But I wasn't going to give up everything. It just wasn't my goal. Right. You know, I come from a, my background. And it's just, but some of these, I guess, what I'm trying to dial it back to is, it's okay. Your goals have to be yours. You can't let somebody else's goals, whether it's the comedy community, other comedians, agents, whatever, define your success. Right. And I think it's true of any occupation anywhere. Sure. But if you don't know what your goals are and you don't move towards them, all that stuff will affect you and you think less of what you're doing. Okay. If you have goals that are uh, a stretch but attainable with hard work uh-huh. and you keep moving towards what you want to do, that's totally great. I mean, okay. it's... You have to be as happy. Long as you're, yeah. Let, let me tell you, comedy is 90, 99% about making the, the crowd happy. Right. You got to go home with some knowledge of what makes you happy. Right. And so if you don't have that, you're, you're wanting the crowd to justify your existence. Yeah. I mean, you, lots of comedians, yeah. you know, self destructive people. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's with drinking, drugs, or there's many comedy suicides, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they haven't found what makes their life important to them. Right. And that could be a lot of different things with a lot of different people. But, as as you move through the comedy thing, you should have some metrics that are external that you can judge like that and some internal that right. you can judge to keep a balance. Okay. 
Uh, and that's just to be as healthy of a comedian as you can. <laughs> yeah. So, so the different comedians, you know, that like if your goal is to maybe do some writing on a, on a TV series or something, you know, that income and stuff may come from there. But if sure. that's not your goal, it may come from, like you said, headlining, you know, 52, you know, weeks out of the year, you know, right. doing something like that. Yeah. And, um, and there's, and there's a lot of different things we could talk about at this juncture too. Yeah. But, uh, I guess I'll just say early on, the goal should be to get good and get better, and all the other stuff will come with it. Okay. But keep and, an eye on it. But keep an eye on it, and and we'll do an entire podcast sometime down the road of the metrics that I use. Okay. And I didn't even know that was the word for it until yeah. my accountant said I don't know uh, what that word means. He's like, I know the matrix. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> metrics are um, milestones and landmarks each year that you – like for this year, one, one metric I have yeah. is – um, bookings with new clients, people I've never worked for before. Right. All right. And I'm in pretty much the corporate comedy environment. Okay. So I want to increase the number of new clients that I have. I have some return clients that I do shows for every couple of years or what right. have you. But I have a certain number that I want to hit each year okay. from developing new business. Yeah. And I also, at this stage, never want to be single income dependent. Yeah. All right. And when you first start comedy, hopefully you've got another job to support you for a while, but there'll be that jumping off point sure. where just working at the clubs is the only income you have. Yeah. It's a very That's dangerous scary. place to be, right? It feels scary in my soul. Well, just think about all the things that you would do in that situation you wouldn't do normally. Yeah. All right. So one tip I would give you as, as an aspiring comedian is, is to build up some cash. Yeah. So that you don't make bad decisions when you jump full steam into comedy. Sure. It sounds smart to say take every gig that's offered to you. Occasionally, there's a couple that are not the right fit for a lot of different reasons. Okay. You may not know that until you try it, and sometimes you got to take those. Hindsight. But being able yeah. to say, I don't have to drive 500 miles to Topeka for a one-nighter to hopefully get back with some money to pay. Now, you know, Topeka is a lovely town as long as you're leaving it. Right, right. Well, the show's <laughs> at nighttime, so if you pull it and ride it. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying is you yeah. don't, comedy is a desperate in a way, it's a desperate profession. You sure. don't want all of your situations in your life to be desperate at the same time. Right. Your money situation should not be desperate. Um, your relationship should not be desperate. Yeah. You want some of those things to be stable. Yeah. So that when you come back from this crazy world, there's some comfort. Stability. And you can regroup. Okay. If everything around you is chaos, I don't know where you go to get stable. Yeah. Right? The- so having some backlog of money is, is a way to do that. But... Really quickly, back to the metrics thing to wrap it up. Each year I look at at different things to see if I've progressed financially or client-wise or goal-wise. Okay. And I tweak those up every year. Gotcha. And the ones that don't pay off, I cut out. Okay. Um, Like I said, we'll do a whole podcast on this. And and when we do, make sure you ask me about what I call my gig index. (laughs) Okay. And I I would actually rate the clubs on their value to me as as opposed to my value. Sure. Okay. And I had 10 marks, and they could get 10 out of 10 or 0 out of 10 for each of those things. Okay. And the clubs that served me the best, I went back to, and I trimmed out the bottom 20% right, every right. year. Okay. So use the Pareto principle on that. Yeah, and, absolutely. But there's a lot of things you can do to kind of see. No, If you don't have these things, you never know if you're doing better. You're only going on your feelings. Right. But to look at hard facts. My feelings swing quite a lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so these things will bring you back. And sometimes you're in a bad mood after showing show. You, I'm having a good year. Yeah. I had a bad night. I was in a bad mood earlier. <laughs> and I feel like this has helped me a little yeah. bit. It's a, it's a long run. So, yeah. You got to stop and Absolutely. Yourself. Well, uh, again, thank you for answering some of our questions. And uh, can't wait till next time. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that. Still a lot of valid advice in there. There's nothing I'm going to override at this point. Uh, things change slightly, but not so far off that I would change any of those 12 tips that I gave back in the time. Great to hear Gavin Miller again. If you guys were with us from the beginning, hopefully this was a, a nice blast from the past. And depending on how this episode is received, we might go back in the vault from time to time and pull out some previous episodes because, as you heard in that one, still lots of information that uh, why repeat it if it was put down once. That's what I say. All right, we've got a lightning storm moving in here in Nashville. Hot. Maybe this is going to be a cool front. I'm not sure, but I'm going to get off the mic before the mic shocks me. All right, take care. Stay safe out there, everybody, and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.